I have a friend who texted me the other day, actually one of my husband's friends back in Maryland that she was at the Smithsonian and she was looking at a kid's exhibit and they had a copy of my book. It's like, how did those things happen? I don't know. I wasn't hustling. It was like the Lord put it into somebody's hands and now it's in some exhibit at the Smithsonian Historical Museum. Hello, welcome to Monetizing Mompreneurs podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, working professionals, and amazing people pursuing their passions and going for their dreams. And I'm your host, Linda Mendable. Dorina is a speaker, podcast teacher, and mama of three girls who grew up in a multiracial family. She loves to use words to open hearts to new cultures. Darina is the author of Cora Cook's Pantsit, an an award-winning children's book about a Filipino-American girl learning to cook a traditional recipe and learning about her family's heritage. Her newest children's book is Chasing God's Glory with Kalina's Gift coming in 2024. Darina has also published nonfiction, Bible studies, devotionals, and poetry. She writes for Encourage and Proverbs 31 Ministries. Darina and her family also created the Global Glory Chasers, a monthly membership experience in partnership with Bronicity, inviting families to travel the globe from the comfort of home. Darina loves to speak in classrooms and educational settings for kids. She has a master's of fine arts in children's literature from Hollins University and has taught at the college level. Darina is a remarried widow. She and her husband, Sean, are raising three brave daughters in Central California. They love to travel, eat, and run together. Darina, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Linda. It's a joy to be here. Uh, I'm so excited. I have been following you about... And I also got a hand on one of your books and I was like, I have to reach out. She's absolutely amazing. I love all that she's doing. I can't believe that you also write for 31, you know, Proverbs 31 ministries. And then, you know what, it was by chance that I got to, you know, see you and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and I'm so super excited to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from where you started and now what you're doing, right? So much. Thank you so much. Oh goodness. Well, I'm going to try to distill this story down a little bit here, but um, just for listeners, maybe who are not familiar with my work, um, as you mentioned in my bio, I am a full-time writer and speaker and a mom to three girls uh, married to my husband, Sean. And my journey really started as a young person, because I had some amazing teachers who planted seeds in my heart that I could be a writer one day. And I'm not going to go through like the whole timeline, except to say that I had a first grade teacher who I remember I wrote a story for her. And I, I tell this story in the classrooms a lot when I'm talking with kids. I wrote this story about two unicorns who fell in love. And this was like before unicorns were trending, right? (laughs) And I just had so much fun writing that story. I was a little first grader. I was like, I want to be a writer when I grow up. 
And my teacher wrote so many encouraging notes with her little red pen in the margin. You know, this is romantic. This is great description. Like you should be a writer. And that little seed that she planted when I was a young person, it began to grow and grow and grow in me along the way. And so I'm really grateful for her and then other teachers along the way. I ended up pursuing a um, degree in journalism, I became a newspaper reporter right out of college. And so a lot of kind of the foundation of my writing happened through doing newspaper reporting and feature writing, which was such a joy to tell other people's stories, to get inside their lives, to experience things here in the Central Valley of California and be able to tell stories to my readers about what that experience was like. And so my writing was really founded on the bones of journalism. And then um, by God's grace, I got the opportunity to do a master's program that was mentioned in my bio that was a focus on children's literature. And so my dream since first grade was to write children's books, picture books, but it took many years and still um, for that to come to fruition. And so I pursued this master's degree program, which you don't have to have a master's to write kids books, but it was just this beautiful concentrated time where I got to learn from other writers, people who are published, people who knew about the craft and the business of writing and really encouraged me with the stories that I already had kind of under my belt and how to improve those. Um, So my first book was published when I was a newspaper reporter. It was a nonfiction book, but then my first fiction book, and I'll show. um, So this book, Cora Cook's Ponzi, which you mentioned that book, um, it really came out of my own experience growing up in the kitchen with my mom, my grandmas, my aunties. And I wrote this book, although it's fiction, I wrote this book because my grandma was such an amazing Filipino cook. And a lot of my cousins didn't know how to make some of the traditional dishes. And so I wanted to use this book as an opportunity to share with my generation and even kids from Filipino American backgrounds and kids from other backgrounds, just the joy of cooking together, the history, family culture that is born in the kitchen. So this book actually is my most award-winning book. We probably have sold, I don't even know, maybe 65,000 copies at this point. It was born almost 10 years, more than 10 years ago now. Um, But Cora is one of the books that helped to get me started. And then through the years, honestly, publishing is hard. I want people to understand because I know you have entrepreneur moms here. Like there are lots of years that I had rejection, lots of years where editors and agents and publishers would say things like, this is great writing, but it's not for us, or this is too niche. It's going to be too hard for us to sell those types of things. Um, And it was discouraging, but I had to keep getting up and I had to keep walking through doors. God opened other doors for me to write nonfiction and poetry and other things. And then this past year, I got to circle back. uh, And you mentioned my other book that just released in April. It's called Chasing God's Glory. And this is another fiction picture book. So published 10 years after Cora, that was 10 years of rejection, of waiting, of wondering if God was going to use these stories that he had given me through my master's program and an editor for Waterbrook Multnomah, which is a Christian arm of Penguin Random House, which is the bigger company. She reached out to me because of Instagram and she had seen that my family and I were doing this fun thing of traveling from the comfort of home during COVID, during the pandemic. And she was like, would you ever think about writing books? And it's like, 
uh, I was like, yeah, I already write books. So like, let's talk. Let me get my agent. And so long story short, I signed a two book contract with her chasing God's glory came out in April. And then this next April, um, of 24, my second book, Kailani's gift is going to come out. So I'm giving you a little bit of like skipping a rock through the journey here, not all the nitty gritty, but just to say that I'm so grateful for the ways that God allowed people to come into my life. Those teachers how he allowed hardship, rejection along the way, but also how he taught me how to persevere and how that even 10 years later, he would use seeds of things that he planted in my heart um, now that are being published. So that's a little bit of my journey. Feel free to ask any follow-up questions, Linda. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I was just, I mean, I had so many questions while you were telling that story, you know, like, I don't want to interrupt her flow, you know, let her get all, all her, the goodness out because, you know, I was thinking about what you said. First, you wrote one book and we'll talk, I, want, I have some questions on there. And then it took you 10 years for someone to reach out and give you a legit opportunity because I remember I had someone reach out in my inbox, you know, oh, are you interested in publishing a book? And once I, you know, sat down, it was a little bit different than what I imagine, you know, yeah. a contract would be. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, oh, I would have to pay for certain things and on all of that. I'm like, is this really a legit opportunity? And so how were you able to like decipher? Because I, I believe like sometimes we get so passionate and we know that we're meant to do something. And sometimes maybe we can jump, jump the gun, right? Mm -hmm. Like Abraham and Sarah, <laughs> we can say it's not happening quick enough. Let's do it in our own you know, strength. But you waited for the perfect opportunity, it looks like. Yeah. You know what? I love that connection to Abraham and Sarah because, you know, those people waited, they waited for a long time. And I am that person who, you know, has a strategic mind. So I would be thinking about like, okay, what, how, what can I do here? How can I orchestrate this? What should, you know, maybe I should go to this thing or that thing. And, you know, I do believe that God can speak to us through, trying things out that, you know, sometimes we can get ourselves so caught up into thinking, well, I've got to know all the 20 steps and I've got to have all the ducks in a row. And sometimes it's just taking that next step. And so when, when I say that I waited for 10 years, it was taking these little baby steps, meeting this person here, attending this conference, having this conversation, prayer, times of prayer, times of just crying out to the Lord and saying, Hey, I thought you put this on my heart. Like what, you know, why is this not working out? And even in that waiting time, that decade of waiting time, how God led me to some other opportunities that I believe helped to mature me and grow me for the journey that I'm on right now. Um, part of my story, you mentioned in my bio that I'm a remarried widow. So eight years ago, my husband went to heaven. He died of cancer. It was in three short months that he got his diagnosis and he went to heaven. And at that time, my babies were little, they were ages two, five, and eight. I was in my thirties. Like I never dreamed that this would be my story. And God used that to even bring me into writing about my faith, writing about my grief. That's not something I had ever written about before, but because I was experiencing it in a powerful and a visceral way, 
it was just natural that telling the story and working it out through writing happened. And in that time is when I also um, got my opportunity to write for Encourage by Dayspring. Um, they are a devotional website, but they also publish Bible studies and different books. Um, we have this magazine, Everyday Faith Magazine, that comes out every quarter. And so my articles are part of that. And that was a huge door that God opened that I was not even looking for. I didn't even know. I was just one of their readers. And I didn't realize when I went to a conference that actually the editor was kind of checking me out and later invited me to be on staff. And so again, you know, in the waiting, it's not waiting passively, right? It's not sitting on the couch, just feeling sorry for ourselves. And not to say that I never felt sorry for myself, but it also is being brave to take those little baby steps or like, okay, I'm waiting right now. Maybe this children's book contract is not coming. Maybe it's difficult to know which way God wants me to go on that, but I'm going to discern here in the waiting. What can I learn? Who can I connect with? You know, even being in God's word during that time. Um, I want to circle back because you asked the question about discernment. You know, we're in a time now where there's publishing is so easy. It's it's way different than it was 10 years ago when I published Cora. And so there are people in your inbox who are going to try to, you know, get you to publish this way or that. And there's, a, you can drop a lot of money to publish your own things. And again, that's not a bad choice. There's different avenues you can go through traditional publishing or self-publishing now that is very legit, but we have to be even more discerning because there's more options, not just the traditional route, which is what I went through, um, through early in my career. So I, I hope that there's a little nugget of encouragement for people in that too, that when you're waiting, you're not wasting time. Amen. Cause you know, as entrepreneurs, we can feel that way, you know, and we can feel like this is taking, so am I really meant to do this? Right. That's the question that we sometimes can, you know, come into terms with like, am I meant to do this? And I think it's a valid question because I feel like God is a God of hearts, right. And God tests our hearts. And he's, you know, it's maybe it's not about the opportunity, but is this truly what you want to do for the rest of your life kind of thing? You know, do you want to take this responsibility on? Are you sure this is what you truly want? Right. Going through that fire, you know, going and going, you know, coming out pure on the other side of it, because as you said, all of the steps, you know, taking you. And for one thing, I want to just pause and say, like, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. And just going through that grieving moment. Cause whenever we lose a loved one, uh, we never imagined going through the steps of grief and, you know, and healing that we need to go through during that, you know? And so, you know, thank you for sharing your story because that's also powerful for other people, because we all have a story, as you were saying, like you were writing your story and, and sharing that and seeing the impact that was making and how you went to a conference and supernatural connection boom and now you know you're writing for day spring which is a very popular name you know and, and a very popular brand in the christian community like i have day spring items as well you know and i'm just like wow you know it's just how amazing that we think we're hurting and we think like maybe we're in an end of the world situation or we think the world is crumbling around us or we think like this is it I don't know, or I can't see past this, you know, we can have those moments of hitting that rock bottom. Right. Mm -hmm. But 
if we persevere and if we move through it and if we step forward, we can actually see that it's preparing us for we, what we truly are called to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I never, like, I just believe that God never wastes anything. And so that's my encouragement, especially for entrepreneurs, because I know there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of trying things and things not working out. There's a lot of waiting and we can get really discouraged in yes. that place, or we can choose to ask the Lord, what are you doing now? What are you teaching me now? What can I step into that I can do in the meantime, as you're working things out? And, you know, I think about my children's book journey, my editor, she came onto the company, um, just like in the time when the world was shut down for the pandemic. And then she came into her role. So for years, she was a middle school teacher. And I've even written about this story before is that God was building her, was cultivating her as an editor, just growing her love for literature and for multicultural books and for books that are about faith. And 10 years ago, that person did not exist. That person was not in the right position. But when Bumi Ishola, my editor then comes into the position and here I have this meeting with her and all the things that she's looking for as an editor are things that are in my files on my computer that I've been working on for years. And my agent and I are just like popping our eyes because we're like, oh, I have that. Oh, I have a book about this. Oh, I have this written. Like after this meeting, we're going to send you that document. I mean, literally like all the things that she mentioned she was interested in for the future that I was like, wow. I have something on that topic. And so it wasn't like I was just wasting that time all those years, but God was orchestrating her getting into the right place at the right time so that we could meet as well. And so for me, that's an encouragement to know that, you know, maybe you look around and you think, well, I don't have an agent or maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business and you're thinking, well, I don't have a place for my business or I don't have enough, you know, capital or money to advertise in the way that big companies do. But in that meantime, I do believe that God is moving the pieces so that you will connect with the right people and that you even are growing your character. Amen. You know, um, that really just reminds me of like, through my hardest seasons, when I look back at them, I have learned that it was just God preparing me to be stronger and to bear the weight of what it is that he would want me to do, right? Bear the weight of the responsibility of the calling, right? Yes. To be stronger, to be more, you know, persevering, as we're saying, perseverance, and to fully trust 100% on Jesus, on God Almighty. Mm. And it's almost like, you know, we can live our life thinking that it what we were just here for nothing oh it's just to make money or we can actually live our life and understand that we're here for a reason we're here to impact and help others light their own lights within them to step out of the darkness and into their own light and into the light right and be like you know like a city on the hill you know what i'm saying and you know and also facilitate like don't give up because even though you think those opportunities are not going to come, they're going to come when you're absolutely ready. So faith without, as faith without works is dead, right? Continue to work on that, continue to do it, you know? And that's what I'm hearing, like, from your story is almost like, don't stop in the waiting. Well, as you're waiting for that opportunity, 
don't stop what you know you're called to do, right? It's almost like, you know, you gotta be still, but being still is not exactly just sitting on the couch, flipping on Netflix, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and watching someone else's life. It's, it's really about like, you know, exercising your faith in the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we can always be growing spiritually. So even though maybe we don't have like the public face or getting our business out there as much as we want, or in my case, like being a writer and speaker, maybe I'm not getting all the contracts, that deep work that you're doing behind the scenes with God that is not up on Instagram that actually is building that foundation and building that core so that when that person comes along who can offer you the opportunity, you're not scrambling and being like, oh, well, I got to work for six months to get myself in order. It's like, no, I'm ready because I've already spent that time in the secret place. I think that's so important for us to remember as creatives. That is absolutely like, you know, in this moment in my life, like we're selling our current home. And we're about to pick up and go and live in a new home. And throughout this whole time, like God opened the door for the right house that we're meant to walk into, you know, the perfect area, the perfect location. But we also had to have faith that everything is going to work out. And, you know, and, and during the season, you know, something that keeps popping, there's a few verses that keeps on popping up. It's the waiting, waiting on God. And I feel like this is going to be timely for the people that need a message like this. You know, especially seeing your story, you know, looking at, you know, looking at your Instagram, looking at the books that you've published, like seeing your accolades, right? And like, oh yeah, sure, it's easy for her, mm-hmm. right? Because people say that, right? Oh, mm-hmm. of course it's easy for her. You know, of course it's easy for them because X, Y, and we make these excuses why it's easier for other people, but we don't understand that they've been in the secret places, mm-hmm. right? We don't understand why God allowed them to like go into this, you know, other season in their life, right? And and make those accolades and, you know, make those connections, those opportunities, because, you know, I like that, I like that story that you talked about, like meeting the editor, you know, and it was the perfect timing. Just like for us right now, we bought this house in a time of bidding wars, but you got, but you know what? God opened the door without no bidding wars, without, you know, he just opened the door wide open. And one of the prayers that I want to tell our audience that I like to say is, God, open the doors that are meant to be open and open them wide open so I can walk through it and close the doors that you do not want me to enter and close yes. them shut, right? I pray that prayer too. <laughs> yes. Amen. And does he do it all the time? Yes. And it's surprising sometimes the doors that you think you're walking through. And that's not actually the door. It's like something bigger behind or the flip side, you think you're on this road and then something does slam shut. And it's like, well, why did that happen? And later I can look back and I can see how God protected me. He protected my time or he knew this other thing was going to come. And so I think it's constantly a trust that we have to develop uh, that intimacy with the Lord, that we're constantly going to him, like you said, and praying that prayer, asking those questions, um, even kind of quieting our hearts. So when I say, you know, that we always need to be moving, taking that next step, I don't want to discount the opportunity and the power also of pausing, of resting in the spirit, because that's important too. I think there's a balance 
with those two things? I remember when I was um, putting together Monetizing Mompreneurs and I did take a pause. I took a season and I was like, I'm just going to give up throwing in the towel, you know, because <laughs> we yeah. all have those seasons and people think like, oh, it's easier for them or, you know, because it may look a certain way or it looks shiny and new or, you know, because, you know, like your book is wrapped up in goodness and beautiful colors and a beautiful story. And, you know, people don't understand the sacrifice that the bounding had to have, you know, for the bounding to be made of each of those pages. There has been a, a legit sacrifice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just think that your story is kind of like this testament of like, you know, take your breaks and take your pauses and take your time because it's not about what you're doing on the outside, but what God is doing within you. And if what you're doing on the outside is helping progress what is within you, which is trusting God more, not allowing your plans to fade away and stepping into what may not work out and go into God's plans, you know, and, and all of that. I want to go back and talk about that first book. Like, how did you get that first book deal? Well, the very first book that I published actually um, was a nonfiction children's book that I mentioned. It was called Children of San Joaquin Valley. And I was working as a newspaper reporter at that time. So it was uh, one of the areas that I covered was books and publishing. And so I met a publisher through just an interview. I was actually reporting on some of her new books coming out. And then she was like, Hey, I have this idea for a book. Would you be interested in writing it? So that was one situation. And I will say that in publishing, every scenario is different. People have all these different ideas and you never know how it's going to transpire. So my Cora book, which came out in 2010, that book was more of maybe a traditional route in that I sent out the story to all these different publishers, different agents, editors, and, you know, they didn't know me. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anyone representing me. And I just was like putting myself out there. And it was several years actually that I was working on that book and trying to get it out there, trying to see if anybody would publish it. And then one day I got this phone call from this editor in San Francisco and she was like, Hey, Dorina, you know, we moved and I lost your manuscript. Like this was back in the day when we would send paper, not just emails. (laughs) And she's like, I found your envelope. It was lost in a closet and we're really interested in publishing your book. And I mean, I didn't even know who she was because I had sent my thing out to so many people. I ran home. I looked at my itinerary of like places I'd sent it two years prior. I had sent it. So this woman gets a hold of me and then she loves the book and wants to publish it. And that's how Cora got published initially by a, a small imprint called Shen's Books, which was in San Francisco. Now it was bought out by Lee and Low Books, which is the biggest multicultural publisher for children's books that we have here in the US. And so it's just like all these little steps where it just was this crazy thing. And you know, the manuscript lost in the closet, literally. <laughs> That's God, amazing. God had it come out at just the right time, you know, two years so, lost in the closet for two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you wild to think about. And even that book, you know, that book was not like a bestseller overnight. It's not like it made me big money or sold lots of copies, but now over time. So here we're in 23, it was published in 2010. 
Um, it won an award in 2010 with the Asian American Librarians Association. And just like little by little, this baby book is just people are, are multiplying it. Like I have a friend who texted me the other day, actually one of my husband's friends back in Maryland that she was at the Smithsonian and she was looking at a kid's exhibit and they had a copy of my book. It's like, how did those things happen? I don't know. I wasn't hustling. It was like the Lord put it into somebody's hands and now it's in some exhibit at the Smithsonian Historical Museum. It's like great. Only, <laughs> only what God can do, right? Like if it's meant to be, you know, those are just things that we never know. Like, and that's what they say, like, don't give up. You never know when your content, you know, like with reels, right? I, I remember I was doing some research on reels and all that. And they say, don't delete any of those reels because you never know when something's going to go viral. It could be like, it could be something so old and then boom, all of a sudden you're trending, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we don't have control over that. And so I think kind of the nugget there or the moral to the story maybe is that we've got to show up that showing up matters. And sometimes that feels like, oh, I'm barely doing anything. I'm barely like a drop in the ocean, but we don't know how that's going to be used either, either now or in the future in someone's life. And, you know, even when I show up to speak, sometimes I speak to really small audiences and sometimes I speak to big audiences and I have to have that mindset of like, if one person in this room, one person who's listening to this podcast needed my story, it is worth it to me. I'm not just doing this for the numbers that if God put a message on my heart and I'm faithful to deliver it, he's going to use it in someone's life. And when I think about it in that way, there's so much less pressure and oh, yeah. it's exciting. It's inspiring oh to think about stepping into that. I definitely wrote to my email list. So if you're on the email, you already know um, that just focus on one, that one person, that one message you know, that one conversion, just one, you know, when we focus on the one that we are meant to help, then everything is worth it because that changing one person's life is worth it. You know, it's worth it. All your sacrifice. If, if my pain can help someone, you know, with, with, the, with uplifting them that they don't think that they're, they should give up or they don't think that they're worthless or they don't think that, Oh, you know, I'm not making a difference. But if I can touch that one person that understands like you are making a difference, even though it looks the way that it looks like, even though you're going through what it looks, like, even if you feel like you're alone, keep showing up, you know, because remember, we're talking with mompreneurs, you know, and so you're an entrepreneur and you're going for it. You're going for your dream. There's something that you want to do. There's something that God has laid in your heart to do. And reaching that one person is legit, like awesome, right? He mm -hmm. would leave the 99 for the one, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what yeah. Jesus would do. Amen. And so, amen. Yeah, amen. And so <laughs> I, I love this concept because, you know, I have recently been myself feeling like, am I even making an impact? You know, mm -hmm. am I even doing something? You know, yes, I see some of the downloads and I see this and, you know, but if we focus on just, numbers and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, we lose sight of that one. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And sometimes we've got to dial it back to, to really rest in that truth. I'm actually getting ready to take a sabbatical here in the month of July. I've never done that before, but I'm taking the month off 
of no deadlines and taking social media off of my phone. I will still have it on my computer. I'll check in here and there. I have some things scheduled to still serve my audience, but I just need a break and I need a reminder that I am not God and I'm not in control of everything. And sometimes I think, especially as mompreneurs, we can get ourselves in that mode of like, check this off, check that off, do this, do the next thing, do the next thing and not give ourselves that space to breathe and really listen to where God is guiding us. And I was feeling convicted about that because I've been on deadline for probably three years now. I've launched two books this year and I have another one coming out in November and a couple next year. And I am so thrilled for those opportunities. I don't want to take those for granted, but I also do not want to burn out. And so I know it's really important for me to just take this pause. My kids are off, you know, for summer break. So that month of July, we're going to travel, get outside. I'm going to cook meals that take longer than 10 minutes, you know, and just really feed my subconscious mind and spend time with the Lord. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't, I'm not. I've never done it before. I know it's also going to be hard, but just to kind of pull back from that pace, because we cannot sprint the whole time. It's going to manifest itself in negative ways in our bodies and our souls. If we continue at a, a sprinting pace the entire time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I learned that. I learned that really quickly. Cause you know, I, w- I wanted to, I want to show up everywhere. I want to post all the time and, and do all this. I decided like, you know, with my podcast to keep it consistent. So I've been keeping it consistent. I've, I'm about to hit a full year of being consistent every week, posting on my podcast this August. Uh, I've only missed one weekend. And that was because of, and excuse me, not one Monday, because I always post every Monday. I've missed one out of the whole year. And I, I'm pretty proud of myself with that. Because I was like, let me just take one area and see what I can do there and align my life there because sometimes we do want to post everywhere and do this and do that. And I got to show up and, and you have some bit of an anxiety. Like if I don't show up, I'm going to lose something. (laughs) Right. But but at the same time, you probably lose yourself if you don't take a step back. (laughs) Yeah, no. What what are you scheduling your items with? Cause you said you're going to schedule some things out. Are you doing me Edgar? What tools are you using at this time? Oh yeah. That's a great question. Well, um, I am real simple. I just use meta, which is, you know, the business scheduler right through Facebook. And so I schedule some social media stuff that will go Facebook and Instagram. Um, so because I have these books coming out and I do have content that I've already developed over time, some articles coming out from Proverbs 31, I'll be sharing those things because I want my audience to still be nurtured during that time. But I think it will be good for me to have a month where I'm not in the mindset of like, what am I going to post next? What am I going to do here? Like, how can this be an Instagram thing? Those are important things for us as mompreneurs, but I also need to take my brain out of it for a little bit so I can be creative. Cause it was starting to get to that point where I was feeling like heavy, like the drudgery of it. And that's a good indication for me personally, that I need to take a little bit of a break. Um, I also send out a weekly newsletter called my glory gram through my email list. And I also have it over on Substack. And so I'm just going to schedule those out for the next month. I have already kind of outlined the four newsletters. And so those will just go out automatically. And, you know, I think it's okay for us to schedule some kind of stuff. I've been learning a lot about repurposing content too, because I'm a writer. I've been writing for, you know, almost two decades now. It's important for me to be able to 
take things out of the archives or things that I've worked on before and give little snippets instead of always feeling like I have to create new content. That's wonderful. I mean, I, I mean, I love your approach and I love like the whole story. And I just feel like I know that this is going to be a message that someone needs. Like sometimes people feel like they need a permission to take a step back or need a permission to even go for it. Right. And I feel like, you know, check in with yourself and and speak with yourself. Like, do you, should you take that break? And that's not going to break the bank. And that's not going to like have you that actually may be even better. You might even blow up. But in the time that you're missing, you're like, oh my gosh, now people are coming out the woodworks. But, um, okay. So I have another, another question and I want to hit on like a little bit of that 10 year gap, right? So 10, so you published it it had accolades, it, it, you know, you won awards on it. And into the 10 years that you were waiting for this new book deal, when did you feel like giving up? Was it three months into it, six months into it, a year? You know what I'm saying? Because there's, I, I feel like people don't understand that as an entrepreneur, you know, it goes up and down and that giving, that feeling of giving up is normal. I know everyone got it. I know everyone goes through it. Maybe, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you haven't gone through it. Oh gosh. You know, it's been such a long journey. I wish I could say, oh, on month two or month three, I don't even know if I remember because <laughs> I don't like to dwell in that place. But I would say, you know, the idea of imposter syndrome, this, this idea that, you know, we don't belong or that we are not equipped or that we don't, you know, we're not good enough. Like those types of thoughts those come a lot. And I have learned over time that I have to bounce those thoughts is what I say. It's like, I've got to learn how to say, okay, well, of course there's somebody over here who's doing it better, who looks more professional, who's getting more money, whatever you can spend your time in that comparison game, or you can think, okay, well, how am I going to learn in this situation? What do I need to, what tools do I need to add to my tool belt? Also, I am big for collaboration. So if I am comparing myself just in my mind, let's be real, that happens, right? You look at that woman over there and how cute she is and how much money she's making and the contract she's getting. Those things are real. Those happen. But whenever I have that thought, I think to myself, okay, whoa, dial it back. First of all, how can I be an encouragement to that woman? Because God is prospering her. Second of all, who can I collaborate with in my season right now who I can learn from and who I can lift up? And collaboration has been the thing to pull me out of those seasons of feeling like I couldn't do it, feeling like I wanted to give up. Because when you get around other people who are in the trenches or who have gone before you in any kind of business, for me, it's writing and publishing and speaking, it, it lifts you, it buoys you up. And then it helps me to even change that atmosphere in my heart. Oh my gosh. So good. That is the number one reason I believe in um, community over competition. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we have monetizing entrepreneurs because I just saw how we can be so alone and, you know, we can play this, you know, competition game or this comparison game. And I wanted to bring a space that we help pull each other up. And um, I'm about to launch Monetizing Mompreneur Society. And basically it's about helping women 
build their email list with bundles and summits and partnering with us mm-hmm. um, to have, you know, the bundles and summits and having it in a very affordable price point. If you're, if you're on my website, get on the wait list right now, we're in the wait list, but it's about um, helping women rise up and build their email list so they can launch what they need to launch and partner with other women in their industry in these bundles. And so we'll take care of that part and we help also them launch their own bundles and summits. And so that's what we're getting ready to do because that's what we, what's been requested in our community. And so, so I might be inviting you to one of our bundles, <laughs> Darina. So just, yeah. just look out. I know I'm throwing this out here, but. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like through the years, as I think about ways that I've collaborated through those types of bundles or being invited to my friend's summits or hosting even local conferences where I was able to showcase other speakers and we were able to learn from each other. Like that's the gold. And it's so fun when you don't have to do it by yourself. I mean, you can sit in that comparison and competition, but it's not fun when you feel alone. And when you can say, oh, my sister over here, she's doing this great thing. Let's learn from her. It's like, okay, now the knowledge, the circle is so much wider. It's so much bigger. Um, Just as an example, I am releasing a book in November that's on grief and it's a devotional journal. It's called Breathing Through Grief. I have several friends in my circles, whether it's through Encourage or Proverbs 31 or other speakers who are releasing books this year on grief. It's crazy. And at the same time, I was starting to think about it the other day. And, you know, I had, honestly, I had the thought in my heart. I thought, oh, well, if all these people are releasing books on the same theme, there's not going to be room for my book or people are not going to be interested in my book. That's a scarcity mindset. And then I thought to myself, Ooh, what if I made a list of all these women who are releasing these books and maybe their core message is the same as mine, but their stories are different. What if we did something together? What if we did a blog hop or, you know, what if I had them on my podcast or what if we did a summit? You know, I was just starting to think about what would that look like if we collaborated, even reached out to a friend of mine who was writing her book right now on grief. And she was looking for resources. And I just said, Hey, I've got this book coming out in November. And she's like, Oh, I already have it linked. I, I stocked your Amazon and I've got (laughs) it linked. And I was like, Oh, good girl, because I used your quote in my book. So people can go look at her book. You know, those types of collaborations have been so life-giving for me. And so I just, I want to encourage women because I know sometimes we, we are afraid that if we partner with someone, we're going to get hurt or, you know, it's going to backfire. Sure. Yes. You have to be cautious. Those things do happen, but I would say nine times out of 10, what actually happens is that your audience is multiplied. Your message goes out to more people and you have the benefit of this friendship of like, okay, we're on the journey together. We're reaching people with the same message and a different story for God's glory. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. And that's one of the reasons why we're on this podcast, because I saw the power in that. Because when I was starting, I wanted, I knew I was good at what I do. And I just wanted someone to give me a chance. But because people wanted these big accolades and everything, but everybody starts somewhere, right? A lot of people that graduate from, college and they're like no one wants to hire an intern we got to start somewhere you know what I'm saying and so I wanted to give a chance for women to have the opportunity you know what come speak live because you know we have FB lives every Wednesday they can people can speak and they can pitch 
you know, to our audience, we have right now, we have over two, 2000 members free, you know, in our free Facebook group. Um, and anyone can, you know, have a schedule live that we blast you on our email list, as well as the Facebook group, you know, and you come in and you practice your speaking and you pitch at the end. And, you know, we also have an open mic on Saturdays for anyone who just doesn't, maybe doesn't want to go that route and apply and have their bio. Hey, go in live, but that's an opportunity, right? And then we also partner with our private podcast bundle. And now we're, we're, I'm like, okay, I love these bundles. You know, I love partnering. I love the summits that we're doing. And so I was like, shoot, let's give other women an opportunity to have a community that we are collaborating with one another and I'm helping trying to facilitate that and so it's new so if you're listening to this this is new or maybe get on the wait list if if we have already launched it but um I'm really excited about it people are excited about it and I just saw that we can get faster and quicker with together than alone Absolutely. Oh, I love that, Linda. And tell me, I'm asking you a question here. So do you work with a team? Like, how does that work for you? Because you're doing so many different things. What is the teamwork aspect of it for you? So yeah, so I have a launch strategist and right now and a VA, and then we have a producer for the podcast. And um, I basically all that, this is the thing about a team. When people think, I used to think, when you have a team, everything will work out. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm learning in developing a team and growing a team is that everything depends on you. (laughs) So yeah, your vision. The team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the team's vision. It's your vision. And they got to grasp your vision, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I always lead my clients to, because I'm a web designer and I do funnels. Um, and I do branding. So I do brand strategy and I understand branding and how that you're, what you're doing is amplifying a message and that's what collaboration is as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when it came to building the team, I saw that, you know, I thought it would be easier. Oh, people, of course, they're going to get there quicker. Cause you know, they have a team, but I, what I recommend always to people that don't know what to launch or don't know what the next thing is, pull your audience, pull them, you know? So this is not about me. This is what I pulled my audience. This is what my audience wants. Mm. They want the bundles and the summits. Cause I was like, Hey, do you guys want a program or a course? Or do you guys want a membership? Or do you guys want just the summits and the bundles? And they were like, just summits and bundles. Okay. What if we did a membership with summits and bundles? And they're like, yes. And I put yes or no. They're like, yes, yes. I mean, I had a whole bunch of votes for yes on that, which I've wow. never had because I've been polling them. You know, you got to get to know your audience. That's so and, good. Yeah, that's a good reminder yes, for me. You mm-hmm. got to poll them. And that's what I've learned. Like you said, nine out of 10, 10 times, people do not poll their audience and they think, oh, I know exactly what my audience wants. And usually they're way off. I was way off. You know, Mm -hmm. at first I did not pull my audience and I thought I launched what my number one question was, how do I get more clients? Right. Because I work with a lot of coaches and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and they're like, how do I get more clients? Right. Mm. That was when they come to work to me, but the audience that's listening to the podcast and everything like that, they're wanting collaborate. They're wanting to learn. They want bundles. They want summits. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And so when I first launched a membership, 
I wish it did well, but I just couldn't, I couldn't carry it through because um, they wanted more time of me. But anyways, and I couldn't do that at the time. <laughs> I was like, ah. Uh, yeah, no, that's real. That's real. <laughs> There's real. only one of you. Yeah, yeah. But when I did that the first time, I thought, this is it. This is the thing. And it was not. <laughs> and now I did more polling, you know, more understanding. And I also did what I wanted to do. Like, I love the collaboration. I love the bundles and I love the summits. I'm like, shoot, let me see if these women are also loving this. And so, and they, and by God's grace, they are. And, you know, through our failures, like you were saying, like through, you know, those down seasons when we think things are not working out and we don't know, but through all that has prepared me to come into a very confident offer, very confident collab, you know, like, yeah, just amazing. Like it's coming together like beautifully. And, and guess what? All of the content I've already done. So I don't have to do any new content. It's already been created, mm-hmm. you know, because of all the work that I've done throughout the, the years. And it's almost been like a decade. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's exactly like when, then you can take the break when you need it. Cause you can go back to that content, which is evergreen. Maybe you present it as a reel or you present it as a quote or, you know, a new, a new refresh on the article or whatever, but you but have it. That's I'm where the that. team with the team you know, sometimes you think like they see something that maybe you're not seeing, but the reality is they're just there to support you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, you'll ask your team, what do you think? And they're standing there. You're the leader. You know, <laughs> you guide us. Like this is, this is your baby. This is yeah. your thing, you know, help us help you kind of thing. And that's <laughs> what I learned about, you know, and bringing it back to that team. And I feel like I took all of that. Come on, Daria. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you one last question. Sure. Um, are you before I go there? Are you building a team? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's still coming together. About a, two years ago, I hired a VA. I call her my creative assistant, and so she helps me about ten hours a month. So it's still real small, but it's what I can afford. Um, my husband is in financial, like he's an investor. And so his, his jam is the money and the numbers. And so I would say he's my CFO. He helps me keep in check with all that stuff, the taxes and making decisions about what speaking events I say yes to, and what's it, you know, what makes sense for our family, those kinds of decisions that I clear with him all the time. And then I do have some trusted friends in my circle who I process things with, and I consider them to also be a part of my team. Um, when I was doing my podcast, my husband was my co-host. And so that was another kind of hat that he wore. And I know that I need to grow my team. Cause I'm kind of at that place where, you know, I'm getting more and more opportunities and I can't do it all myself, nor do I want to, cause I'm a mom of three t- teenage girls who, you know, this time is golden with them. And so I'm looking for other ways that I can collaborate with people and even, you know, people that I'm mentoring in my own life, my own community who I can say, Hey, are you interested in this opportunity? Cause I can't do that one. I have a leadership coach as well. Um, Her name is Joe Saxton. Some people may be familiar with her. She has an amazing leadership program that I've been a part of her cohorts. And so she's pouring into us. I'm learning from her and she's even, you know, collaborating with some of us who are part of that program as well. So I would say that's who my team is. 
That's wonderful. I mean, that's a big team. And I guess when it comes to hiring outside of that, I would suggest like bartering if you can, Mm -hmm. because, or having something that, you know, a test project, because that was my biggest mistake is like identifying that there's two types of people you can hire. There's a strategist and there's the technician. Mm. Strategist can think with you. Like I have the launch strategy. She can think with me and everything, but ultimately everything does fall on me, but I can bounce ideas and I can, but the, what she's great at is once I have the idea to run with it and see it in a way yes. that it will be successful. And that's what I had to learn. Like no one's going to give me the ideas. I had a, you know, like maybe, cause you know, sometimes you have a vague idea and like, and you think someone's going to add like, yeah, I see that. And we could X, Y, Z and this, and no one's going to come and do that for you for what, you know, no one's going to do that for you. You have to sit and be still and ask God to reveal the full thing to you. And then you give it to a strategist. And then there's the technician. So the technician, oh girl, took me so hard to realize this, <laughs> is that they need the step by step, the step by step by step, the loom videos, step by step. And if there's a step missing, you need to fill that step. So they need SOPs. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have SOPs within your system. And that's what I've built out. Um, that's why we have ClickUp. Um, and we have like automations that get assigned to the VA, then get assigned to the producer and then get assigned, you know, because everyone does their own thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's so good. Once, yeah. once you have your SOPs, magic, magic happens. But those are the two, uh, you know, those are the two because you can't confuse a technician with a, stra- a, stra- a strategist, you know, no, usually strategist, usually strategist. I learned, I hired a business coach and I learned that that was very ideal. And, um, and they, and what they say is like, this is what I would suggest. It's almost like an expert. So you know how doctors, there's a heart doctor and there's a general doctor. The technician Mm -hmm. is almost like a general doctor. The the strategist is that heart doctor, the specialist in some, in an area. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned to first hire the best hire I have had is first hiring the specialist and then bringing on the technician to help the specialist, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. right now you're the specialist and you have kind of like someone doing the, you know, you have the VA, right? That does certain tasks and you have certain SOPs. Mm-hmm. So what you got to have to do is what you should, your next hire should be a strategist that you explain the vision and she and the VA work hand in hand. hmm you know, yeah, that's so true. I, I do. I feel like that is the next piece. I mean, right now I'm standing in that spot. Um, and, you know, speaking of collaboration, I have another friend who is also an author, speaker, entrepreneur. She's a writing coach. So we get together every week on, on Wednesdays week. I run because I'm a runner and she rides my bike and we just spend that hour like strategizing for each other's businesses. So I'm not at a place right now where I can hire that person, but I feel like having Marcy in my life and all her experience. And sometimes it's even like, we tell each other the things that we already know, you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you need somebody to kind of repeat it back to you. But Um, are you able to barter that? Are you able to help, you know, with your skills and look at a bartering threads, you know, and see oh, I can help them with that. And they are, that's exactly what I'm looking, that's what I did. And that's how I got my launch strategist. 
I was just scrolling. I didn't even, I wasn't even looking for no one, but I was like, oh shoot, I could totally help her. And boom. <laughs> yeah, you know, now she's, I really love that mindset. She's, uh, now she's on my team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more bartering. She's on my team. But you know, um, so that's that's a great way. That's collaboration right there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my last qu- question, and I know we're we're a little bit over yeah. and I want to respect your time. And the no last worries. question is, what would you say? to a mompreneur that is looking to write her book what route you know could she take and that's a great question it it really does depend on what genre you're writing in because they're all a little bit different like I am one of those maybe strange people that I'm writing in a lot of different genres so I'm writing in children's books I'm writing in the faith space for nonfiction, and then I'm also working um for these two organizations for Proverbs 31 and Dayspring that do kind of you know daily devotionals and bible studies so each of those are a little bit different approach but I would say first of all really sitting down and thinking about what is the message that I have to offer my reader. Now, the way that we tell that story is different. If I'm writing a children's book, obviously that's different from what I'm going to deliver to a mom who's a entrepreneur in her forties. And so I have to think about my audience in the way that I put it together. But once you have first chosen your genre and your way that you're going to tell that story. And then I would say, write that story, get it down. And then from there, it's connecting with either an organization, a conference, or somebody who's more like a writing coach, like my friend, Marcy Pusey. So they can help you in shaping the writing of that book. Or if you go the route that I went, I went and attended some conferences that were about children's book writing or about writing for the nonfiction, you know, faith space. And I learned about the craft of writing and the business of writing. I think sometimes we try to skip ahead to the business part before we've done the work of actually crafting the book. And so you got to really think about, okay, is this something that I believe in so much that I could really sit with this? I had a, um, a leadership coach tell me at one point, cause I wanted to write a book about grief. He's like, if you want to write about book about grief, that means you need to talk about grief for the next two to three years. Are you prepared to do that? And that was a really tough question for me. Cause you know what? I was in my grief journey. I was grieving the death of my husband and I was wondering, Do I have the energy to then talk about that all the time to an audience? Well, by God's grace, I didn't get my book contract on that grief book years ago when I pitched it. I got it now in this season of life where I have had time to grieve. I'm still grieving, of course, but I'm not in the intense grief. I'm remarried. I have a new trajectory with my life. And now I have such a passion to talk to women about grief that it's kind of settled my spirit. And so sometimes it might not be the right time for the book idea that you have. So there's a lot of little nitty gritty that we could get into about writing books and depending on what kind, but I would say first start with what is your message? What's that message that God has given you in your heart? And if you really believe that you have a message that you could talk about for a year or two years, then keep pursuing that publishing part. That is so beautiful. Like, thank you so much. I love it because you're right. You're right. And I want to keep on talking to you, but I know we're short on time. Darina, where can people find you? 
probably the easiest thing to do is to hop over to my website, darinagilmore.com. I have all these resources listed there. I would love it if you signed up for my Glorygram, my newsletter. And just for the fun everyday stuff, you can find me on Instagram at darinagilmore. I talk about my resources and my books there, but I also share a lot about my family and food and culture and travel over there. So if you want to be in touch more personally, you can find me on Instagram as well. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Linda. This has been so fun. We'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a chance, stop by the website at lindabendable.com. Sign up for the Blog Cure, which is an awesome, awesome course that I created that will help you set up your blog or take your blog to the next level. And join us over at Monetizing Mompreneurs Facebook group. I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.